Hallelujah. It's that place of surrender that allows the Lord to live through us. The Apostle Paul said, I live, but I do not live. I'm dead, but yet I'm alive. And yet it's no more I that live, it's Christ that liveth in me. I've heard many people say, Brother Vimble, I would come to Christ, but I don't want to be a hypocrite. I, I, I don't think I can live the life. And I tell them, you're right. You can't live the life in and of yourself. No matter how rid, religiously committed you may be. But Jesus can live in you. And Jesus can live through you. And that's why Paul says, no where I that live. I'm not doing all of this in my flesh, in my strength, in my resolve, in my religious commitment. Jesus is living in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. It's Christ in us that's the hope of glory, not only in the world to come, but right here in the nasty here and now. Hallelujah. I love, I love, I, and can we change the order just for a moment and hold that right there. Amen. I, I just feel a call to surrender. While our hearts are being tenderized. While our hearts are being tenderized. God's calling for that surrender. Remember the song, all to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. That's what God is calling us to. It's in that place where the, that's where the power, when we surrender to His, His Lordship, when we surrender, we'll have His leadership. The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Amen. And I believe there's a power released to live for Jesus that will never be released until that real, full surrender comes. But when it does, power is released in our life. Hallelujah. And peace, warrior peace, praise God. Those shoes of peace, the hobnailed boots of the Roman soldier that let him stand and use his weaponry without being pushed back or falling down. Hallelujah. So vitally important. It is not peace to rest with, but peace to stand with, and peace to fight with, and yea, peace to win with, saith the Lord. Yea, yea, I have called thee as my warriors to fight the good fight of faith. And you need warrior peace, the peace of knowing that the victory is yours even before the fight begins, saith God. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. Amen. Woo. Hallelujah. I want that peace. How about you? Glory to God. Let's let's sing this song. I think the lyrics are with it, but let's let's worship together. God is calling. I'll edit my part if we just come to this place in your heart right now of full surrender. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the Lord's pattern prayer, it begins. With the statement that all prayer should be uh, the precedent for all prayer. Actually, if you want to be more accurate biblically, it should be called the disciples' prayer. 
because the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And uh, before he could teach them to pray, he had to teach them how not to pray. Because religion had taught a way of praying that was based on just keeping religious rituals and showing off spiritually. I've often said sometimes some prayers should be framed and embroidered and, and sold in the Christian bookstore because they're, they're, they're just uh, so eloquently and uh, poetically presented. And that's not what God is looking for. Uh, not that he won't listen if you're eloquent and poetic in your praying, but that's not what he's looking for. Prayer doesn't begin with your words. Prayer begins with your heart. It all originates in the heart. Same way with worship. No matter what we say in our worship, God looks past all of that because the praise has to begin in our heart. Man looks where man can only see. He looks at the outward appearance. God looks deeper than that. He looks at the heart. So he said, don't pray as the hypocrites do. They think they're going to be heard by their much speaking. In other words, you've got to quit praying like that and don't follow them. But when you pray, amen, pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven. Before you make petition, before you even acknowledge and say, hallowed be thy name, you acknowledge a relationship with him. That is personal and paternal. Everybody say personal and paternal. The privilege of calling God our heavenly father. I remember going to my dad's. And he knew that I, I liked uh, Pentecostal hooch. Which is root beer, right? Okay, I just, it's okay to drink root beer. Non-alcoholic root beer. And so I knew when I got there that dad would have me... Uh, a root beer in the in the fridge. It was my root beer. I didn't have to plead for it, beg for it, hint for it. It was in the fridge. And he said, got a cold root beer in the fridge. And so I, you know, I didn't have to ask. I could have walked straight to the fridge, got the root beer. It wasn't something I asked for. It was put there for me. My daddy made the provision for me. Amen. Hallelujah. And you know, when you acknowledge God as your father, you don't have to try to get your father to provide for you, to answer your prayer, to help you when you have a need. You know what he tells me and you as earthly fathers? He said, if you be in a father and provide not for your own, you have denied the faith and you're worse than an infidel. Now that's strong stuff, isn't it? Denying the faith and being an infidel is someone who doesn't believe, a non-believer he said, you're acting like that. He said, you're in no way representing the true Father in heaven and the kingdom of God. You can't represent Him unless you care for and provide for your own. You can see it coming through no, uh, in, in Ephesians 5. He said, no man ever hated his own body, but nourisheth and cherishes it even as Christ the church. Praise God. So the moment you say, Our Heavenly Father, you acknowledge a relationship with God that you don't have to get His attention. Amen. You have His favor because He's your dada. And I don't say that disrespectfully. He is our Heavenly Father. And we, the next step takes away that, that, that uh, you know, kind of too casual approach to Him. He is our Father, but He's not our old man. So we come to Him and say, our Father which art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. The privilege and the honor of coming into his holy presence and acknowledging him as our father and having him acknowledge us as his sons and daughters. And if you, Jesus said, being a father, a good father, a righteous father, if your son comes to you and asks you for a fish, would you give him a stone? Would you mock him and not provide? If he asks for bread, would you give him a serpent? If you be an evil, that means according to our flesh, in my flesh, Paul said there's no good thing. If you be an evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more would your heavenly father give good things to them that ask him? (laughs) Hallelujah. He said if man can do that, and he's operating out of phileo love, human love for one another. It's a strong and powerful love. How much more will the Father who operates in divine love, agape, amen. So you're loved. You're loved. You are loved by God so much that he gave his son for you. And here's the analogy that Paul gave. He said, if he loved us enough to give us his only begotten son, how will he not? Also with him. See the logic in that? If he lo- it, did he love us enough to give his son? Is that a done deal? Did Jesus come and die on the cross because God sent him to do that out of his love? Sometimes we're focused so much on Christ's love on the cross that we forget the Father's love who sent him to go to the cross. And the Father's love who heard his sinless, only begotten son cry, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Which being interpreted is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The comfort and the consolation that he had before somehow this mystery where he took our sin upon himself and was judged for it. And a holy God could not console him until the price was paid. He didn't die. See, when he, when he went in and everybody forsook him, he stood boldly, courageously before Pilate and that crowd and said, My Father is always with me. But on the cross, that consolation wasn't there. So G- Jesus didn't die with the presence of God all over him, giving him peace and grace. Jesus died as a lost sinner so that we would never experience The absence of the presence of God. My father, my father. Can you imagine as a father, your child in pain, crying for your help? Jesus had the power to come down and God had the power to take him down. But God had to listen to that cry until the price was paid. And the only reason he listened to that cry and the only reason Jesus didn't come off the cross is because of that kind of love for you and that kind of love for me. I'm going to finish this and then we're going to receive the offering. Did I give you a a disc? It said our Father. Just a moment. All right. I'm going to say something to dads and we're going to try to make up some lost time here. This is something about dads all over America, and it's a challenge to me to be a better dad. I'm trying to make up for a lot of lost time. Here's the good news. If you're, you have the opportunity, I have the opportunity to be a better daddy. If there's been some lapses or some things, we have the opportunity 
to make up. It's called redeeming the time. Amen. In scripture. At the beginning of this decade, David Pope No wrote an article entitled A World Without Fathers. He gave some rather depressing statistics and listened to them. In just three decades from 1960 to 1990, the percentage of children living apart from their biological, biological father more than doubled from 17 to 36 percent. It is now estimated that by the turn of the century, 50% of all American children will go to bed at night without being able to speak to their earthly father. Tonight, 40%, see it's growing, it's growing, 40% of all American children will go to sleep in a house in which their fathers do not live. Before the age of 18, more than 50% of our children will spend a significant portion of their childhood living apart from their fathers. That's half of the children in America growing up in a home that is out of kilter, that doesn't have those safeguards that God set in place. And that's where society is going and that has gone and is continuing. It's escalating. The prisons are full of people. They had a Mother's Day a promotional from Hallmark. They put a table full of cards and asked any prisoners that wanted to get a card from the table in a major prison on Mother's Day to come and get a card to send to their mother. They had to bring in more cards. So many prisoners got cards to send to their mother. On Father's Day, they did the same thing. And hardly any prisoners came to the table because they either didn't know their father or didn't know who their father was. And the prisons are full of people that the sociologists and people who look at the culture and see what's going on, not just preachers, say the dad is not there to be the model that that child needed. And they ended up, mother had to work, and the dad is not home, so the kids ended up on the street. They ended up with other Kids being there, young people. The, the people they looked up to were the drug dealer on the corner that had the new tennis shoes and the money coming in. And they should have been able to look up to their father. A recent Craigslist. Know that on computer? Craigslist? A recent Craigslist ad gained internet fame for a group of friends in their 20s. This is amazing. They posted a request for a generic dad for a holiday to barbecue burgers and hot dogs. Now, this group of young people in their 20s, there's no dad there. And, and it was just, they were longing for a dad to cook hot dogs and hamburgers. And they put an ad for a generic dad, someone who would volunteer to be dad for a day because they're longing for that Ideal. I remember my wife and I, we, we, uh, we went down late, you know, in the evening. To, there was a swimming pool in the trailer park we used to live. And there was a, a young boy that came to fellowship with Matthew, and his dad was gone, and his mother was working. And to show you how this works and how this need is so important, Culture says you don't need that. You know, you, it, it's not necessary that we have families and define it as God has defined it. 
But we're seeing the terrible, terrible things that are happening in our culture. So I was there with Matthew playing with him, and Pamela was playing with him. And, of course, I was playing with this other little guy from, a, from the broken home. And, and he, he just snuggled right up to us. We were over in the corner of the pool. We went late when nobody's there to, you know, we were, you know, well, anyway, we were there late anyway because I didn't quite look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and if I did, I wouldn't want to show it off. Amen. Anyway. But he snuggled up to us, Sean. He just came up, this little guy, and he says, Look, look, a mama, a daddy. And he looked at my son and himself, and he said, and the children. See, even the kid knew at about eight or nine years old that something's fractured here. And no, no, no amount of toys or Disneylands or, can make up for a family. And so the devil's attack is on the family. That's amazing that 20-year-olds still trying to redeem something that they didn't have. And that's a dad with them. Oh, oh yeah. He didn't just cook hamburgers. He said, said he would participate in games, too. If they did a little dodgeball, a little baseball, he would be there, and he would participate in that. Can, can you? It's amazing that that's on Craigslist. What a comment on our culture today. Charles Francis Adams, son of President John Quincy Adams, kept a diary. One day, he entered, went fishing with my son today. He went into politics too, got very busy and committed. Went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. His son, Brooke, also kept a diary. By the way, it's still in existence today. I think it's in the Smithsonian. His son, Brooke, also kept a diary. On that same day, Brooke wrote in his diary, which is still in existence, went fishing with my dad today, the most wonderful day of my life. Oh, friend of mine, on this Father's Day, our great challenge is to be the kind of father that God has intended us to be. It will have a profound effect if we really commit ourselves to that. Amen. Listen to this, and it reaches into eternity. It's not just helping them to, to be molded for life here, but it reaches beyond here. One startling bit of research conducted by the Christian Businessmen's Committee found the following. When the father is an active believer, there's about a 75% likelihood that the children will also become active believers in Jesus Christ. That's, that's a good percentage. But if only the mother is a believer, this likelihood is dramatically reduced to 15%. That speaks volumes to me. In other words, we need dads, particularly dads who are on the fence on becoming a Christian or not. You, you know, we know the cliche, dad's reading the paper, the kids and family are going to church. And you know, even on the Waltons, they couldn't get him to go to church. You know what I mean? And it was okay because he's the dad. And that's Mamas do that. But when you understand that 75% of kids whose dad is an active believer, 
That means he's really following Jesus. And, and he goes to church and he takes his family. He takes that spiritual position and place and lead. Has such an influence that 75% of those kids will probably become Christian. But if only the mother takes the spiritual lead, it drops it from 75% to 15%. That is the profound effect of a father. Garth Brooks is probably the most successful singer in country music. He's sold more records than Frank Sinatra. Barbara Streisand, by the way, Frank Sinatra, uh, we had a fan here, but she's in Children's Church. Amen. I asked a young lady, who is your best, who is your favorite singer? She says, Frank Sinatra. I thought, wow, old blue eyes. Anyway, you know, I'm glad it's Frank Sinatra. More than Elvis Presley or any other solo act in history And he did it for only 12 years. He won every prize in the recording business. And several months ago, several years now, he announced his retirement. He may come back and do some show somewhere, but he announced his retirement from on the road, making money for the record company and himself. Here's what he said about his decision to call it quits. And by the way, fame is addictive and money is addictive. And you get used to a particular lifestyle, it's hard to step back. He said, music is a gift from God. It just comes naturally. It's easy and I love it. But now I'm finding that is not the most important thing in my life. When I look in the mirror, I see a guy full of flaws. I see the promises he made that he hasn't kept. And I know it's time to keep them. See, you can redeem the time. Amen. What I wanted when I started was to communicate to the world, and music was how I tried to do it. I can't read or write music, but it's what I knew. And when people respond to your music, you've got to look in the mirror and ask, Is this what God put me here to do? He said, I have a family, a wife, and children. And if I stay on this course, I'm afraid I will lose them. And they are far more important than all of that fame and all of that money. Thank God somebody. Remember Michael Jackson wrote a song called The Man in the Mirror. Amen. Sometimes we have to take a real honest look at the man in the mirror. And if we do, we, we, we probably can make some adjustments. I, I apologize to my son. He played basketball for Christian uh, school, and I never saw one game because I was busy with somebody else's family needs. I never saw one game. I should have been there. And all the people that I was neglecting him to be with, they took off. The Lord knows where they went. It didn't mean a thing to them. You know, it's just boom. And that's just the way it is. I'm not whining. I'm saying I'm reinvesting in my sons. I'm reinvesting in my sons. If there's a crisis, of course, but if it was just, you know, I I should have been there. And I apologized to him at my uncle's funeral that I participated in. I said, son, I'm sorry. He said, dad, it's okay. And I said, no, it's not okay. I'm sorry that I didn't go to one of your ball games. I'm sorry that I was gone. Uh, I'm sorry when I got up 
one day we were having Christmas dinner. <laughs> I remember I, I got a call that someone from the church had a friend in the hospital and they wanted me to go visit them. And, of course, I took off to the hospital. And when I got to the hospital, I found out the person that called me wasn't even at the hospital. And I prayed and I had compassion and I cared. But when I got home, everything was cold. My family had done eating dinner. And I thought, you know, this just isn't right. This is not right. And I had to learn to say no. Charles Swindle, by the way, his son played basketball for the church team. And, and he, he, he came from his office and a man ran up to his car in the parking lot and said, my wife and I are going through a crisis and we need to talk to you right now. And he said, I can't right now. I've got to go home. I've got an appointment. He said... He said, there's plenty of people that you could call that are, that are counselors and prayer warriors and people. And tomorrow I'll be glad to sit down with you and your wife. He said, you don't understand. We need this done right now. And he said, no. You know why he said no? Because he's investing in his family too. You don't have to sacrifice your family. Billy Sunday shut down more bars, more places of drink when he preached his son was an alcoholic he was gone on the road preaching all the time that influence of dad was not there has to be a balance no one told me it was okay to say no but i've learned it now and i'm reinvesting in my children now if you're in the hospital or there's a car wreck i'll be there no matter christmas anniversary i left my number i'd have come back from our anniversary trip i'm available accessible but I'm going to invest in my family. Because if a man provide not for his own, he's denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. This is important to have that balance. And Chuck said, I said, no, I can't do that. I can't. I, I, I have to invest in my family too. It'll wait till tomorrow. It can wait. And I can still get it done. Of course, that guy probably got his back up and became accusive and resentful. But you know something? You may not need that guy hanging around anyway. Thank you. Well, anyway, I'm getting older. You've got to give me a little bit of slack here. Amen. But I'm reinvesting in my family while I have that family and that opportunity. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, having said that... <laughs> Here's, here's some things that are common to us dads. We, we, do, get, uh, we do get a lot of, uh, we do get a lot of uh, not just criticism. We just, we just you know, not, not asking directions. Uh, being kind of, you know, dads, dads are, <laughs> we kind of respect moms, but we sometimes pick on dads. And sometimes we deserve it. This might be for Sean and his daddy, his dada that is here today. <laughs> Y'all been fishing together? You and your dad, I mean, back in the day, you fell in. He, he fell in, would have drowned, had not you went for him. But you, you went down after him. You found him. Well, a father and son, true story, went fishing. Son asked the father, how does this boat float? He said, don't rightly know, son. He said, how do fish breathe underwater? Don't rightly know, son. Why is the sky blue? Don't rightly know, son. 
worrying that he was annoying his father, he says, Do you mind me asking all these questions, Dad? His dad said, Of course not, son. If you don't ask questions, you'll never learn anything. After bringing their first baby home from the hospital, the wife suggested to her husband that he try his hand at changing diapers. By the way, I'd like to go on record to saying that I changed just as many as Pamela. I really did. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. How could something so sweet stink so bad? <laughs> Remember, see, we didn't have diaper service or nothing like that. We didn't have those disposable diapers we couldn't afford them i don't even know if they were around back then they wasn't around they was not around back in the day (laughs) thank god somebody lived through it you had you had fabric diapers that had to be cleaned and washed and you put you put them everything in a diaper pail and you take that thing to the i'm gonna tell you something though here's here's the bright side when you un when you take a diaper pail and they see you coming with a diaper pail into the laundromat, you don't have to worry about getting a washer. Anybody, nobody wants to be beside you. And when you take the lid off that bad boy, them diapers been sitting there for a week in that pail. And I'm, I'm talking about the everything. These are not just, you know, this is the everything. You've got to, you know, do like that and, and put them in the washer. Anyway. We, we, we did that. I don't know where I was going. I said, I helped change diapers. And I was good at it. I only stuck him the first time. And then after that, I learned. I had to learn how. Amen. Yes, amen. After bringing their first baby home from the hospital, the wife suggested to her husband that he try his hand at changing diapers. I'm busy, he said. I'll change the next one. So the next time the baby needed changing, she asked him if he was ready to learn how to change diapers. He gave her a puzzled look and said, I didn't mean the next diaper. I meant the next baby. (laughs) And all the dads said, amen. That wouldn't work for us. It didn't work for me. And this true story is told of a young father-to-be who was pacing back and forth nervously, wringing his hands in the hospital waiting room while his wife was in labor. Finally, the nurse opened the door and said, Well, sir, you have a little girl. He heaved a sigh of relief. I'm glad it's a girl. She'll never have to go through the agony I've gone through. You'll you'll have to... No, he's just worried about his wife. See, he he couldn't relate that to the actual childbirth. That's one of those you have to think about. (laughs) And here's the one we all agree. How many know that men sometimes hate to ask directions because we are take-hold and get-her-done guys? The story is true story told of a father and a vacationing family who came across a large sign that read, Road Closed do not enter. The man proceeded around the sign because he was confident that this would save time. He didn't see any problem. His wife was res- resistant 
to the adventure. But there was no turning back for this persistent road warrior. After a few miles of successful navigation, he began to boast about his gift of discernment. I knew there wasn't any problem. His proud smile was quickly replaced with humble sweat when the road led to a washed-out bridge. He turned the car around and retraced his tracks to the main road. Five miles down, then he had to drive five miles back. When they arrived at the original warning sign, he was greeted by large letters someone had painted on the back of the sign. Welcome back, stupid. (laughs) That pretty much shot him down. That pretty much shot him down. We take a lot of flack as dads. But you'll never appreciate or appropriate your privilege as a child of God until you understand the beginning of the disciples' prayer. I want to mention that for just a moment in closing. I said this many times ago. It could have been last Father's Day or preceding that. But there are some new folks here, so I'm going to say it again. Two secretaries were taking a tea break. They began to talk about their respective churches. I never knew you went to church, said the first one. I bet you $20 you can't even recite the Lord's Prayer. Oh, yes, I can, said the second. Well, let's hear it, said the first. The second one began, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. The first secretary listened with astonishment. Wow, she said, here's your $20. I didn't think you knew it. (laughs) Yes, you're right. OMG. Gosh, put gosh in there. Amen. It all begins with our Father. Matthew 6, 9 says, After this manner shall ye pray. Our Father. Our Father. And he reiterated that throughout his life and ministry. He told them, I'm going to my Father and your Father. My God and your God. He said, heretofore you've asked nothing in my name. Ask in in my name. You've asked the Father nothing in my name. Ask that you might receive so that your joy might be full. I do not say that I shall pray for you, for the Father Himself loveth you. He was wanting them to have a relationship with God. You see, a lot of people think Jesus is the nice guy. It's kind of good cop, bad cop. Jesus is the nice, merciful, understanding, sweet, kind, forgiving one. God the Father is the disciplinarian exacting His vengeance. But you see, the problem with that is, that's not biblical. For Jesus said, I and my Father are one. And the works that I do are not my works, but what I see my Father do and the words I speak are not my words, but what I hear my Father say. And they said, then show us the Father. They got hungry to know Him, to see Him. Show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. It sufficeth us. And He said, when you, have you been with me this long and you still don't think you haven't seen the Father? When you have seen me, you have seen the Father. In other words, God is a spirit. No man has seen him at any time. But Jesus was the embodiment of the character and person of God himself. So 
You need to take God out of that mystical realm and look at everything Jesus did, everything Jesus said, and everything Jesus was and say, that's what God is like. That's what my Father is like. Amen. So many people in here need that hug from God. Amen. You need that, you need that faith that He is, He's got a hold of you. I grew up in Pentecost. You could go to hell over almost anything. Amen. I know it. I know there's hyper grace that you can't go to hell no matter what you do. But if the other side of that, you, a, 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 girl, a young lady that attended our church forgot, forgot. She wasn't rebellious. She forgot to do the dishes. And her mama told her she was going to hell because she was disobedient to her parents. I couldn't hardly get the Holy Ghost. I could not get clean enough. And if I didn't get the Holy Ghost, when they prayed for me to get the Holy Ghost, they said then they implied there must be a sin in your life that's unconfessed. So I got down every service confessing sins that I knew of and sins I didn't even know about. I just said, Lord, I don't know what else to tell you. I've told you every wrong thing I've ever done that I ever knew that I did. But if I miss something, please let me know because I really want to be filled with the Spirit. <laughs> yeah, he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Nobody told me that the Father loved me. That I was a son of the living God. That I didn't have to earn that. I had that. That's mine in Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. And God had to take me, amen, down near Lake Okeechobee to a spirit-filled veterinarian. That's a long story. I don't have time to tell it again. Amen. And we're not going to. But he had to get me out of church to get me filled with the Holy Ghost. Hold on, Bob. Hold on. And somebody on the other side said, Turn loose, Bob. Turn loose. So I got to hold on and turn loose. I don't know what to do. Somebody got their hand under my chin going... And I thought, that's not working. Somebody on the other side says, say, come tie my bow tie. Say, come tie my bow tie. That ain't it either. That ain't the Spirit giving you utterance. That's you saying real quick, come tie my bow tie. That's not tongues. So you'll know when you get the Holy Ghost. Because He'll get you first. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. I'm so glad the Lord took us. Oh, my Lord. We would have been so messed up if we listened to everybody. We had to get in the Word and let the Word get in us. And (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. See, Jesus did many wonderful things in the presence of His disciples. Miracles. Teachings that astounded and awed them. But only one thing that Jesus did move the disciples to ask, teach us to do that like you do it. That one thing was prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus prayed like no one had ever prayed before. Jesus spoke to the Father in the complete assurance of the Father's acceptance and love. Jesus spoke to the Father as not as some absent deity, aloof, sitting in His heaven, that we had to get His attention, but as to a lovingly 
present parent. Teach us to do that too. And it all begins with our Father which art in heaven. The only time Jesus didn't have the Father's paternal love and His presence with Him. Speaking of His flesh relationship with the Father. And by the way, let me tell you something about Jesus. We hear this mostly around Christmas in the Old Testament prophetic of Him. It said, in His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. The Mighty God. The everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. Can you say, man, when you've seen me, you have seen the Father. I and my Father are one. Heretofore, you haven't asked the Father anything in my name. Ask that you might receive. I do not say that I shall pray for you, for the Father Himself loveth you. So when you come to the Father, your Father, amen, your Father, your God, your Creator, your Savior, is now your Heavenly Father. And you begin prayer with acknowledging this privileged and powerful relationship with Him. Hallelujah. Wow. My pastor, Brother Joe Woodward, went off the rails. He, he got so busy working for God, he lost his relationship with God. And he never had the right foundation to begin with. Because the Bible said we're to be rooted and grounded in love. And that we might comprehend with all saints what is the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height of that love. The dimensions of it. That we might be filled with the fullness of God. Listen, when you say fullness of God to a Pentecostal, you're talking about power. You're not talking about a person. And that's what gets people off the rails. If a man love me, he'll keep my commandments. They won't be grievous unto him. It's love that holds you. There are people that never, never have God. I can tell by the joyless life you're living, practicing your religion. Feeling convicted and condemned most of the time. Because you don't have the joy and you don't have the peace and you're troubled all the time. And you know worry is sin. And yet you can't give it to God. Because you don't feel like that He's so close to you that He would lift that burden. You know, there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says, Cast your burden upon the Lord. He will sustain you. He'll never suffer the righteous to be moved. And when I see cast, I went fishing for the first time in 30 years on a pontoon boat at Medard Park. Not Medard Park. There's another. Yeah, it was. Yes. I counted 36 alligators. 36. I was glad I was on a pontoon boat instead of Sean's little canoe. There's alligators long as that thing. I mean, my dark 36 alligators. No wonder the fish were not biting. They ate them all. One pastor's son went with us that had the pontoon boat, and he, he, his son started grunting like a big bull alligator. Alligator. He could grunt like an alligator. And he was, can you grunt? It's a redneck thing. You've got to be a redneck to do it. Amen. City folk don't grunt like alligators. We grunt, but not like alligators. But he was making a good grunt like a big bull alligator. And I was listening to him grunt, and I saw an alligator headed our way. You know, 
And I, I mean, you're in a pontoon boat. They not, they can't do you no harm if you don't get out of the boat. So, anyways, headed our way. I saw opportunity to give a word of wisdom to him. I said, "There's a big mama alligator headed right toward us. She wearing lipstick." I don't know what that's all about, but I'd quit grunting if I were you. (laughs) Listen, God is good today. He's your heavenly Father. He loves you. The Bible said in the book of Ephesians, He's made us accepted in the Beloved. And that word accepted means highly favored, highly honored. What higher honor as we close could there possibly be? That you and I, who were separated from God, enemies in our, in our works and our mind, that have now been reconciled to Him. He didn't just forgive our sins. He brought us into His royal family. And He calls us His sons and His daughters. And He bids us call Him Father. Hallelujah. Praise God. What a difference it makes in prayer. When you are talking to your heavenly Father. Hallelujah. Because if you being evil know how to give good things to your children. How much more would the heavenly Father give good things to them that ask Him? If it's for your good and His glory. You can best believe it's going to be granted you in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Will you stand to your feet this Father's Day? Amen. Dads, we love you. Invest in your family while you still can. And invest, moms and dads, in your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And begin your prayer with our Father who art in heaven. And stop before you make petition, before you worship and praise. Stop right there and acknowledge that I'm not just an old sinner that was saved by grace and God has to put up with. Now, Paul said, doesn't appear what we shall be. We look through a glass darkly. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be so wonderful we couldn't understand it if he showed it to us. Amen. But now, in the here and now as a Christian, now we are the sons of God. And to show that we're really bona fide children of God, adopted by God into His family, accepted in the Beloved. If sons, Paul said, then you are heirs of God. You're th- oh yes, you are heirs of God. Jesus said, everything the Father has belongs to me. Until you got saved. (laughs) Oh, you didn't hear me. Everything the Father has is mine. He's the only begotten. But you know what my Bible said? He's the firstborn among many brethren. He wasn't the only one anymore. He's the only divine one. Remember that. He's divine. We're the branches. Can you say man? Listen, but we that's the privilege of it. We're not divine, but we're treated. Not as stepsons, but as the sons and daughters of God. Now we are the sons of God. And Paul says, if you're the sons of God, then you're an heir of God. And therefore, you are a joint heir with Jesus. (laughs) 
Hallelujah. I tried. My daddy tried. My grandpa tried. Did anybody see the, anybody see the movie of the woman holding up a torch they started with? There, there's a woman holding up a torch. It's universal, I think. Anyway, that's how they used to start it. She's standing holding this torch. You know what her name is? Evelyn Venable. Yes. Hollywood movie star holding up that torch every time. You, you'll see it if you watch a movie. It'll come up. And, and so she and my grandfather and his daddy went to Atlanta because a, husband, a brother and sister had died. And they, they had left what is now the uh, big granite rock. What is the name of that? Uh, Stone Mountain. You know what's the bottom of Stone Mountain? Lake Venable. Because it was owned by brother and sister who had no children. So if we could prove, or they could prove, that we were heirs to that fortune. Did you know what? The Venable Mansion is now a Presbyterian church. They, it was so big, they bought it and turned it into a church. Wow, we. And I th- oh, my daddy used to tell me how they hired a lawyer. For, and he went down to Atlanta, took the money, got on a big drunk, didn't check into anything. They didn't have any more money. <laughs> Everybody backed out and gave up on it. And I, th- I used to sit and read. You ever, I, I don't know where you sit and read things, but I used to sit where. In, yeah. <laughs> And, and read that, that Sears Roebuck catalog, that Montgomery Ward catalog, and think, boy, if we could be heirs of someone rich like that. Did you ever fantasize about, you know, you ever think about? No, my wife said, no, no, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think in those terms anymore. <laughs> I didn't just look at stuff for me. I'll tell you the honest truth. I looked at stuff for my mama. I knew she didn't have hardly any dresses. We were poor folk. And I thought, boy, look at that dress. I could buy that dress for my mama. Look at those, look at those shoes. Oh, my daddy. Oh, man. Me, when, if my daddy had shoes, I'd buy my daddy some shoes. Like, look at those curtains. I'd buy my mama some of those curtains. <laughs> of course, look at that bicycle. I'd buy me two of them. Can you say amen? But we couldn't tie in anything to prove we were heirs of that family. I don't know who got it. <laughs> But I know who didn't. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I went out to Dallas years ago for a conference for Independent Assemblies of God. This was back when Reagan, I think, was president. I went back. I went to Dallas, and we got to receive the offering. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for holding it up. We're going to receive it in just one moment. <laughs> I went to Dallas. I was looking through the phone book just out of curiosity at Venables in Texas. There's a bunch of them out there. But in big block letters it said robert a venable oil properties i called my wife and i said honey (laughs) i said you you got the right you got the right string but the wrong (laughs) yo-yo amen (laughs) 
<laughs> it's just going to be me coming home, not some oil baron in Texas. But did you know something? When I found out who I was in Jesus, and listen, it took me a few years to figure that out because I wish I had heard what you're hearing right now. I would be advanced even more spiritually if somebody told me that from the onset can you say man who i was in jesus and who he was in me and let's hear the words of jesus in closing everything the father see we're joint heirs with jesus we've been given joint seating with him according to ephesians amen he said everything the father has is mine But when the Holy Ghost comes, everyone that's trusted in me, believed in me, repented of their sins, and come to the Father to be reconciled. He said, everything the Father has belongs to me. And when the Holy Ghost comes, He's going to take of mine and show it to you. Can you say amen? And the word show is not just reveal. It's the word for communicated to you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. I don't know what this does for your faith, but this just, I tell you, I'm preaching this for me too today. If you didn't get anything, thank God I'm here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because I'm receiving this today. You have a Father in heaven, not a force in the universe, but a Father in heaven. Who sent His Son to die for you and for me. And we're going to receive the offering. It is the end of the service. How many people want to grow Draw closer to your heavenly Father and your Savior, Jesus Christ. You want more than a religious relationship. And if anyone is hearing this and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I challenge you right now that you would repent of your sins and come to Christ. God will not only forgive your sins, He will translate you out of the powers of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. And He will bring you into His royal family. And as many as received him, John's gospel says, to them gave he the power. And that means the spiritual authority, the legal authority. It's not dunamis. It's not about the Holy Ghost. That comes later. He gave them the power to become the sons of God. This is legal. This is legitimate. This is true sonship in the name of Jesus. And you can know Him and you can become a son of God today. Hallelujah. For the Son of Man became the Son, the son of God became the Son of Man that the sons of men might become the sons of God. And that's what salvation does. Amen. And amen. And everyone said amen. Sherry and the kids, so if you see Sherry or the kids, say, what you got me? If you're a daddy today, amen, before we go home. Father, we bless this offering in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We're humbled to be able to minister your word. We're glad to still be on the, on the gospel road, <laughs> still traveling onward and upward, climbing Jacob's ladder. We thank you today for this congregation. Bless them as they go out. Bless them as they come in. Heal them. Help them. Hallelujah. Father us today. We'll give you all the praise and honor, for we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone that will receive the blessing said, Amen, amen and Amen.